Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome back to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Ian Marie Singleton. And we have a guest with us today, a shareholder, McGowan Brabender, Dave Holman. Hey. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. How's your week going? It's going. Getting ready for a crazy weekend. What, what do you have going on this weekend? Going town, down to uh, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I coach a 12U baseball team, and we're in a big Midwestern tournament. So... It's going to be crazy. Yeah, and, and I, I heard you, uh, you've got kind of a crazy weekend. We do. So we've got a weekend full of soccer, my daughter's school play, and then we'll repeat the weekend full of soccer the next weekend and my kids' confirmation. So spring is a busy time for people in general and especially people with kids. Yeah, it's interesting, too. So last week we had Matt McNeil who talked to us about generational thinking. Uh, and my kids are all grown up, and they're out of the house. Right, and you're getting ready. I know I say this every time, but any day now, you'll have a grandbaby. I, know, I don't. I don't feel like I'm going to be a grandfather, but apparently, um, I am. Any day. Yeah, I was worried last week. Maybe she might uh, go into labor. You were out of town, right, at the Dayton Development Coalition fly-in in Washington. Yeah, uh, myself and Sarah Skeena. Last year, you and Steve Hoff went. Yeah, how, how was that this year? It was terrific. I mean, it was one is being around 105 leaders in Dayton, talking about economic growth. It's terrific news for Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and the hard work of the DDC and a lot of members where Dayton was just awarded the, the National Archives for the Veterans Affairs for the VA, which is terrific news for us, jobs. Uh, and um, obviously met with a lot of legislators, a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, we can make a difference. Yeah, I think that it's easy to forget that when you don't get outside of the region. But thanks for doing that. And um, for those of you listening that have never had an opportunity or have, haven't been able to uh, take part in that fly-in, uh, I did just encourage you to take a look at it. It's a great way for you to connect with the leaders in Washington and also in our community. So thanks for doing that. Well, we even had some high school students with us uh, this year. We had them last year and, and uh, you know, speak, talking about generational thinking. It was very interesting for them, too. Yeah. So, Dave, your kids are grades, grade school to high school and all high school. Yeah, 16, 14, 12, and 8. Okay. Oh, so you've got a little bit of time yet before they're all in high school. Yeah. So what were you thinking? I have no idea. <laughs> well, you can see we kind of took a break between the third and the fourth. <laughs> do we really want to do this? And, yeah. and you coach a lot. Of, so your kids play, they play football? Uh, football, wrestling, uh, soccer, volleyball, and basketball. Okay. So we're in, every a, we're in everything. We, I, I have one week off a year because I coach all the different sports. So um, I always have one week off during the year, and then it's right back into things. You know, as a dad, too, I mean, those are memories that uh, no one will ever be able to take away from you. And so congratulations on on wanting to do that and having a desire to want to coach. And, and I've even talked to friends in, in the community, and you have a big impact on kids. So, That's a big deal. Well, thanks. I uh, When I retire or I win the lottery, um, I will coach youth sports even into my old age. I think that's where you learn your values 
you you get the foundation about working with others, uh, about being part of something bigger than yourself. And so I'm absolutely passionate about youth sports. Yeah, that's cool. That's really awesome. We appreciate that. I love when my kids have great coaches because it helps. It takes everyone always says it takes a village. It, it does take a village to raise to raise kids, especially today. So I have just a question for you. We're going to talk about communication here in just a minute. But I'd like to know how you use what you know about communication to deal with the parents and the kids and the referees. As a coach, I mean, you have to deal with so many different communication styles and PS right in the middle of something that's very emotional. Yeah. Um, so I've taken a lot of what I, what I do on a daily basis into coaching and uh, you be you be very transparent with both the the children and the parents. You set expectations right up front. Um, when you have to correct a child, it's a, a, or teach them something. It's a positive followed by a here's where we can improve, and then you show them what the end result looks like. Um, and you know it's just a, a lot of continuous dialogue back and forth. It's building them up. It's not telling them what to do, but encouraging them to to, to see the bigger goal that's yeah. out there. And that doesn't sound too unlike what we do every day, right, it's, with our employers. It's a huge part of what we do every day. Yeah, we just want to get people engaged and one and enthusiastic about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting, very interesting. So I want to tell you guys, I was listening to something on the radio, actually, this past week, and what I heard is that um, AMC, that's the movie theater company. Um, the CEO of AMC is trying to attract a, what he calls a younger crowd, and he's considering allowing texting during the movies. And I was listening to a radio show where they were having callers call in and give their opinion on whether or not they think that would be okay. Should people be allowed to text during a movie? And I don't know if it was supposed to be an interactive experience or just you know allowed to be on your phone. And there were young folks that called in in their 20s, and there was a woman while I was listening that called in probably in her 50s. And the young people that called in, I would call them old souls. They said, I paid a lot of money to go to that movie, and I don't want to be disrupted. And the woman who called in in her 50s said, I don't know why young people can't learn to communicate correctly. Why do they have to text? Why can't they just turn the phone off and do what they're supposed to do? And I just laughed because... For those of you that listen regularly, I have 14-year-old twins. Their phone is their lifeline. Everything that goes on is in that phone. It drives me up a wall. And I say all those dumb things, too, like, turn that phone off. Your life's not in the phone. Um, But I found that interesting because the CEO is losing um, sales, right? Young people aren't buying a ticket because they're willing to wait for the movie to come out and watch it on Netflix or on their phone or on their tablet. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, they can text. No, it's you know it's it's really interesting. I mean, I went to a movie with my son. We went to see uh, Relevant uh, or Revenant, uh, which was wow, a cold movie. But there was a couple right next to me, and one not only were they texting, they were talking the entire time, and it was just it was driving me nuts. I mean, I come from the uh, generation where I can remember people smoking in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not that old. Maybe your dad told you that story. No, no. I was sitting there. I'll never forget it. And uh, it's different. It really is. 
so Dave, I mean, in your work, how many ways are people communicating at one time nowadays? Well, you know, it's funny because I've I've been here since what 2003 and and in charge of communication and. When I started out here, it was essentially one way of communicating with people, and that was through um, benefit booklets. And then during open enrollment meetings, we would have PowerPoints. And I always used to call it death by PowerPoint because um, just 60 minutes of the most mind-numbing experience you can go through as an employee. And then we started getting a little more creative, a little more personalized with uh, total compensation statements, personalized benefit websites, multimedia videos, um, wizards that are out there um, that you can play with and, and interactive calculators and to, to really where we are today. And the challenge that I still see employers and, and you know, uh, McGaw and Braybender alike is that we're, we're communicating in a million different ways to employees but we're not getting them to do what we want them to do. And the message it's, still isn't being heard. Yeah, it's not that it's certainly not for a lack of effort. It's for, you know, looking at the results. Are they enrolling in a disease management program? Are they switching from a PPO plan to a high deductible plan? Um, are we getting them to use telemedicine and pricing transparency services? And so we have spent a considerable amount of time here um, and back in my, my department thinking of ways that we can get to the why. Because we we certainly have addressed to this point, I think we would all agree, the what, what we want to communicate, what we need to communicate. And now we've gotten creative in, in recent years with the how we communicate. And that goes to the generations. You know, do they want texting? Do they want email? Do we want face-to-face -face meetings? It's all different. What we now are turning our attention to and where we're seeing the next big generation, which is we've cracked the nut now, we've solved what we believe the problem is, is we're focused on the why. Why people change, why they're motivated, why we get them to do what we want them to. So what's interesting, too, is, you know, when you talk about that, so generational thinking, some are like just technoholics. So I, I, like I can't, I can't survive without my phone. Some people are readers, like I like to read it. Some people need to experience that so mm -hmm. they need to get their hands busy. Uh, and so I think we've done a really good job of unpacking the differences in people based on generations. So this new terms come out, and, and every time we hear it in the walls of McGowan Braybender and with our customers and, uh, and different people, I mean, their first reaction is, like, what is that? So, Dave, um, you spent a lot of time uh, meeting with these people uh, about the term psychographics. So we understand generationally where um, we might put a booklet in, some, in front of someone's hand, we might put an app in someone's hand, we might text information to them. Um, and so we've unpacked that in regards to communication. But what is psychographics and how can that help Yeah. Um, yeah, and first of all, when you do say psychographics, you get that, huh, what? It, it kind of sounds like something the CIA you know, cooked up in the back room. Yeah, I'm expecting like a movie with yeah. a lot of like, a, what was that movie? Fantasia. That's what I'm expecting yeah. when you say psychographics, and, something, and, you know, assaulting my eyeballs. No, and, and actually psychographics has been around for years and years, but we think of it in a different application. Psychographics is, is things that um, help you identify the internal characteristics that make people do and change how they do it. 
and why they do it, where um, it looks at the characteristics, it looks at how they're wired, what their um, priorities are, their MO for doing things. It looks at their lifestyle. It takes all those things into consideration and where you are most likely to find psychographics has been in consumer products for years and years. And where we first heard about this was from a couple of ex, a uh, couple of ex Procter and Gamble people that that spent, you know, a, well over a decade uh, in research and development. And I think that we would all agree that nobody's better at consumer product research and understanding the consumer better than Procter and Gamble. Right, I would agree. And so what they do is, you know, they've made a science to know that it has to do with. Not just what the product is, but where it's placed on the shelf, um, what color the packaging is, um, where it's placed in the store, what days of the week you promote it, when people make their buying decisions, um, the size of the packaging. All of those different things go into size, psychographics. So size matters, so, Dave. So, yes. Well, okay, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to say. (laughs) Um, So now let's pick up that from consumer products and let's move it over into healthcare and think about all the different applications now. So we're communicating one message about benefits, about what's going on, about what they need to do, but it's getting lost in translation because we're all motivated by different things. If, if I have kids and a family, I have different priorities if I'm on the go. If I'm a marathon runner, a person that takes care of all my preventive work, I'm wired differently from that person. There are other people that just say, tell me what to do from point A to point B to point C and I'll do it. So we're all wired differently. Psychographics allows us to look at each person's personality and determine what the best way is to communicate that message. Yeah, so I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I have my own little social experiment going on in my house. Um, You had it growing up too, Scott. So I have twins, and my kids are the same age, and I do the same thing out of desperation. They hear the same message like, get ready for school, hurry up, we're leaving in five minutes. I say the same thing over and over. Um, They both respond differently. And so I learned very early on that what I say to my son isn't what I can say to my daughter. So they're the same age. It's not a generational thing at this point. It's a Zachary versus Zoe thing. They react differently to my message. And what I could say to my daughter, and she might say, okay, mom, I could say to my son, and he would you know, you know, get angry or vice versa. So it's getting at that hard wiring, which is a gold mine in terms of getting your message heard. Well, I think what's interesting, too, is like retail, they've been collecting this data for years decades. I mean, uh, you know, shelf space, end caps, uh, colors of packages. And what was in it when we were in uh, Washington, D.C., Robert McDonald, who was the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, uh, who was just, um, who came from P&G. Actually, he was the CEO of P&G. And, uh, and he spoke to us. So you have all of these organizations uh, across the country that collect all of this data around purchasing patterns and what engages people. So I think what we're able to do, at least uh, from this organization, is say, how do, we use that, how do we use that data, that information, in a brand new way to try to get people more engaged, obviously, in their health? So it, so it sounds complicated, Dave. Well, it, you know, it actually is. And you, you 
at a first glance. You need to hear it a couple times, then it sinks in, and then it makes absolutely perfect sense. So we can take all those different data points that we have that Scott just talked about with consumer products. We know the patterns, and how you're wired is how you're wired. And what we can do is ask all of an employee population 12 basic questions about their health care. Now, those 12 questions come from 380 questions um, that have been compartmentalized and watered down. But from those 12 basic questions about your health care, I put you through psychographics in one of five different buckets. Once I know what bucket you're in, it's game over because I know how you're wired. There, I know how you like to be communicated with. I know how many times I need to communicate with you to get you to do what I want you to do. Once I know what those five buckets are, I know exactly how to, to phrase my messaging to you. Do you pick specific words to resonate with that person? There are words I use. There are words I avoid. There's urgency that I create in my tone and tenor. Yeah, so, so Scott I, and I have tested ourselves, right? And we, we're, we're two different, uh, two different, what do you call us? Classifications. Classifications. Consumer classifications. Psychos. It's like two different psychos. Yeah, two okay. different psychos. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a balance I'm a balance seeker. And Scott, you're a I'm a self achiever. Okay. Yeah. So how you communicate to me, Dave, would be different than you communicate to Scott. Absolutely. So there that you've just heard two of the buckets. So when we go through them, and first of all, as I give you these buckets, it's important to have everybody understand that it's not a negative label. It's just the way that you approach things in life. What motivates you? And so um, the five classifications we have are balance seekers, willful endurers, priority jugglers, self-achievers, and direction takers. Now, when you look at those different classifications, Scott, you said that you were a self-achiever, right? Okay, so self-achievers, which if you're wondering, is about a quarter of your employee population, 24%. And from Scott's perspective, if I would look inside his brain, scary place to go. But what really I would scary. see is um, the I would kind of see his personality being one that I take ownership of my health and I actively take steps to be healthy. Um, he focuses on achievements, goals, and objectives that are out there. A disease or is something that's just a challenge in front of him. Your self-achievers are the, the segment of your population that sign up for your wellness programs. They're the first people when you have challenges to step up because everything's a game and a competition to them. They're the ones in your organization that you tend to not have to worry about. They're self-managing their health that's out there. Now, you said that you were a... I'm a balance seeker. Okay, balance seekers is about 18% of the population. And in Marie's eyes, she's open to ideas and options as long as they make sense. So she needs context to understand the ideas and recommendations. So I can tell Anne-Marie that she needs to participate in a particular program or sign up for the HSA plan instead of the traditional PPO plan, but I need to give her examples and explain why. Um, it's kind of the the show me before I do yeah, it. Yeah, the prove it to me. So you, anyone listening that knows me is probably laughing because you know that's how I make decisions. Yes. I need information. I want to weigh my options. I want to see which is more valuable. Yeah. So I took it over and over to see if that was really who I was, and um, it is. So yeah. You know what's really interesting, Dave, is this information 
is already out there. So big retailers have this information. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I had heard is we can actually go get that information uh, by zip code, by address, by person with about an 80% accuracy. Mm -hmm. So it's completely, now that's purchasing decisions. So I'm, I'm buying something. So obviously Amazon's collecting a lot of information. I mean, uh, all of these organizations are collecting all this data to try to get us to buy something. So people like you do this, just a variety of different face plates, um, the attractiveness of the website. So I think what was really great about this organization, they specifically are just harnessed in, inside of healthcare. Right. So how yes. do we make a difference? How do we unpack these five different psychographics? We have a pretty good understanding in regards to generational thinking. So, so where are you? Which one are you? I am a priority juggler. I worry more about my family's health than my own. I'm constantly on the go juggling many responsibilities. And so getting sick for me isn't an option. I'm always looking for the quick out. I love telemedicine because I can be on Starbucks, on a webcast, and be taking care of my health at the same time. I'm looking for quick solutions. I love online enrollment because I don't have to sit in an open enrollment meeting for an hour. I can self-navigate, I can do research. And so priority jugglers are about 18%. And, and in my eyes, balance seekers and priority jugglers are very close. Um, that's usually where they'll spill over from one bucket to the other if they're on a fence. Willful endures. They're 27% of your population. They are the hardest in the world. They're, I don't say they're your problem cases, but there's, they're the people that if you can get to them, they're the hardest to change. But if you can get to them, it's the biggest change organizationally. In their eyes, there are more important things in their life to focus on and improving health. They live in the here and now. They're the people that put off the illness until it reaches that point where if I don't take care of this, I'm going to end up in the ER. Many times that's where they're treated. They're the people that will not sign up for programs until they have higher premiums. They sound stubborn. So, yes. Yeah, they sound very stubborn. And then the last one is what? Direction takers. Direction takers. They're the smallest segment of the population. They're the ones that we would love to have all direction takers because they simply they trust the physician, the healthcare professional, HR, and you tell them what to do, and we'll do it, and then we'll be happy. You know, it's funny you say that, because yesterday uh, I wasn't feeling well, so I called Teladoc, and this doctor, um, one is, called me back, I mean, within probably three minutes of the conversation. So I kind of explained the symptoms, and then he said this to me. He said, look, I, I can't determine on the phone whether you have strep throat or whether, you know, whether you have something or the flu, and I'd love to help you, but I can't. So I'm going to ask you to go to the doctor, which I was like, that is not what you want. I mean, one, I didn't want to call Teladoc in the first place. My wife said, hey, your daughter's pregnant. And if you're sick, you're not going to the hospital. You're not going to be able to hold the baby. So I'm mm -hmm. like, wow. So now, now I have to go because I'm kind of like you. Yeah. Now I have to go do this. Yeah. And, and if you were a um, priority juggler or even a balance seeker where it's kind of prove it, I would play that card in a minute. I would say mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to be there for your daughter's birth. You're not going to do this, but show them what the end result looks like. So in other words, my wife understands psychographics. She knew what to tell me yes. to get she, me to do what I needed to do. She's a, She's got her Ph.D. in Scott. Yeah. So yeah. she's lived with you a uh -huh. long time. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's a really big, big place in heaven for her. Yeah. Yeah, it's gigantic. It's, yeah. A, it's the penthouse. Yeah, it is. It's big. <laughs> so once we know what buckets you're in now, now we can tailor our messaging to you. Now kind of look back. When we do that one open enrollment meeting with that one PowerPoint or that one benefit booklet, that's written in the voice of that person that's putting the communication together. So they're really only appealing to that one segment that is like-minded like them. Think about in the future, once we know this, and instead of having one meeting 20 times, if you're a larger organization, you have a couple meetings with five, you're delivering the exact same message, but the way you're delivering it is very different. Dave, that's fascinating. So in other words, if Anne Marie was gonna do an employee meeting or if I was gonna put together a slide deck for 100 people, I'm going to build it because I care about people. My, my motives are going to be pure. My intentions are going to be great. But based on my presentation skills and my psychographics, I'm going to only hit 24% of the population. Anne's going to hit 18% of the population. Yeah. So uh, this strategy allows us to take that information and unpack it five different ways. Mm -hmm. You think about why is social media grown at the pace it's grown in such a short period of time more than any other communication medium we've had before because it allows individualized, personalized communication where people go out and self-select who they want to talk to, what type of content they want. It's kind of a self-serve. It's all based on preferences. And, and that's where I, I want to say HR and benefits really needs to embrace that as opposed to pushing off yeah. Um, social media. So let me give you some, some feedback on um, what, what I hear from employers sometimes, okay? So I'll hear this from the C-suite, from the, the owners, and sometimes from HR. Like, it's the employee's responsibility to get the information. We gave it to them. Why didn't they understand it? Okay, part one. Part two is, why do I have to create five messages for my workforce I don't want to handhold. We hear that so often. And so what I think I hear you saying, and I want you to tell me, is this is actually going to be simpler and easier than the old way. And, and on principle, I think employers are saying, I'm not going to bend to them. I don't yeah. want to have to bend down and do this. Well, certainly, in order to make this work, it has to be very simple to lift and implement. And that's why... We've known here at McGowan Braybender about this for a while, but we've been slow and deliberate in our rollout because it needs to be scalable and applicable regardless of group size or environment that you're in. And the good news is we feel like we're, we're very close and we have a vehicle for that. And, and what's important um, is that we're able to effectively reach the person in the way that they need to be reached and not just that we're going through the motions. I hear day in and day out from employers, they're reaching the point where it's utter frustration. You ask them what one of their biggest challenges is with benefits, and it's not just about the cost, and it's not about the ACA side of things. I ask them and they say employee disengagement is one of their biggest challenges. And so we've come up with a, a vehicle where we can um, easily roll something like this out, whether it be text messaging, whether it be email, voicemails, depending on how you want to be communicated, we can tell all these things from these from these five buckets that you're in. And the 12 questions. And, and it's easy to roll out. And, and we don't have to 
address 20 different things to make a change within your benefit program. What we need to do is focus in on the one, two, or three things that will bring about change within your group, and that's where we concentrate our efforts. Yeah, so I would encourage employers to just think about it differently. Think about what you're trying to accomplish, not how you're going to accomplish it. Because again, I think there's a lot of resistance in we, you know, this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way we're going to always do it. Or we don't have time for multiple messaging. Or why can't employees take their own responsibility? So, I know that you know I say these things too, um, but we have to really say, okay, look, it's 2016. People want to be communicated to differently. They've been given options through social media. They've been given options through other other means, and. This is, this is how it is. So it's not 1980 or 1990 or even 2000. It's 2016, and we're going to have to communicate differently if we want our message yeah, heard. And, and I think it's even bigger than that because, you know, from 30,000 feet, you can look at this and say, you know, not only generationally is um, do, we, do we have a better understanding of people, but with psychographics, uh, and, and we're just talking about employee communication and engagement in regards to health plan. But if you're an organization that would embrace this, I mean, you have the luxury of using this outside of healthcare. So performance reviews, the way you communicate with your people, uh, the way you, you communicate with your with your customers, the way you communicate with prospects. I mean, it can go so much higher than that. And companies like P&G, companies like GE, large organizations are using that data today. And we have the power to offer that to our clients. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, Scott, you really hit it on on point when you said you can take this and apply it outside of benefits. So when you're having a performance review or a tough conversation with an employee, knowing what words to use, what words to avoid, what motivates them, how to get them to do what you want them to, putting together group projects within your organization, um, charting a career path, because it's so easy for us to fall into a generational channel saying all of my millennials think this Great and point. want this. And, Great point. And Mark talked about that the other day. But when you look at Mark, we can kind of take that. Or Mark, Matt, Matt. Matt, I'm sorry. Oh, That's man, okay. I feel terrible about that. But we can uh, <laughs> we can look at him and say, well, Matt's different than I've got an intern in my department, Tessa. They're both millennials, but I can tell you from looking and talking and engaging with them, they're wired to very completely different. different. And Jordan, you Ann and I yes. were on the phone with Jordan, or actually we were in the car with Jordan, right. talking to her about generationally uh, thinking, uh, and we didn't like unpack uh, psychographics with her. But our conversation with Matt, in my opinion, Ann, would have been completely different than Jordan. Right, I agree, and I think they they don't want to be treated as a lump of people. They don't, and we talked about the fact that they're going to be a very large part of the workforce here in a very short amount of time. And so it, 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 it's important that employers start to figure this out. They're spending mm -hmm. a lot of money on benefits. And again, they can use this in other parts of their organization uh, outside of, uh, of us. But finding a way to get your message heard um, is huge. Yeah, and I think really, I mean, we're, we're stepping outside of this world of trying to motivate people. We're stepping into this world of influence people based on what they think, where their desires are, aspirationally, where they want to be. There's, you know, We're just about ready to wrap up, but you can go to healthierbirthdays.com. You can find uh, Davis put together just a great piece, kind of unpacking psychographics. But I was watching Good Morning America this morning, 
and there is a video of a of a grandmother. She might be in her seventies. Her her grandson bought a Tesla that that auto auto drives. So she's in the front seat of the car, and the car's driving itself, and she is losing her mind. It is absolutely hysterical listening to this young young guy talk to his grandma about it's okay. And she's in the front seat of the car, and it is uh, it is absolutely hysterical. You'll get a kick out of it. We'll have to try to find that and get that up on the oh, that'd the be blog great. Too. Yeah. So yeah, and the other thing I'll put up there too is we we we're out of time, but um, the proof is in the results, and there are a few case studies that I'll I'll post out there where you can see that it has made exponential improvement. Um, organizationally as far as getting people to engage programs. The programs are the exact same. Simply by changing the way you get people to engage them has made huge, huge financial impact changes within an organization, organizational health changes. So uh, I will be sure to post that yeah, up. Yeah, well, our... like a mad scientists, and we are all his test subjects. So yes. he is experimenting on us regularly. Yeah. So somebody <laughs> help. No, um, if you have anything you want to give us for feedback, you can email me at ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Or scott at healthierbirthdays.com. One of our aspirational gifts uh, and wishes is to provoke people to think differently. And I hope we've provoked you to think differently today about psychographics. Dave, thanks for being with thanks, us. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects. Effects.